Well, I don't know about y'all, but I needed this this morning. (laughs) It has been an eventful two weeks since we last gathered. The last time we gathered for worship two weeks ago today, I was oblivious to Irma's existence. Anybody else can remember? I didn't even know it existed. Sometime about Monday is when I became aware, oh, there's a storm out in the Atlantic. And it's looked like it's uh, put its sights on Florida. And then, of course, we all watched it together. At that point, Monday, Tuesday, you had to start, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to evacuate? How many of you evacuated? Raise your hands, yeah. A lot of you got out of town, good for you. Those of you who didn't, hunker down at home, find another place that's safer. you got to make your plan. You go to the grocery store, you get some stuff. We all began preparing. But to be honest with you, I was very lackadaisical in my hurricane preparation until Thursday. Thursday afternoon... I, I kept checking the track, like you, every three hours when they updated, I'd check and see, okay, where's it going? But as of Thursday afternoon, they had it, I don't know if you remember it this way, but the eye was going up the east coast of Florida and striking in South Carolina. So I was like, okay, we're going to be okay. And then at 5 p.m. on Thursday, you remember this? They moved that joker west. And I thought, my wife and I were out to dinner, and I was like, oh, okay, that's not good. And so here's, this is me doing hurricane preparation. I was like, okay, let's go to the grocery store on Thursday. And, of course, there's nothing left. But uh, we began then thinking in in terms of how can Calvary prepare for and then assist in the aftermath of the storm. We had an emergency staff meeting Saturday morning. And the big question on the table before us was, do we open our doors to our community, to those who need a place to shelter the storm? And it was an interesting conversation. There were a lot of reasons not to. We're not, a gov- we're not a government-approved shelter. We had no stores of water or food. We had no beds. Uh, we didn't know who would be able to assist us in terms of staff and volunteers. So there were a lot of arguments to be made. We didn't know what the liability was. We didn't know if we could provide security. I mean, lots of unanswered questions. But at the end of the day, it was, it was kind of a cool moment. Uh, but your pastor, Dr. Willie Rice, ultimately ended the discussion by saying, we are Calvary. And we are going to open our doors for those who need us in the, sake of, in the wake of this emergency. It was a great moment. And our, our staff and a team of volunteers really pitched in to make it possible for us to be an effective hurricane shelter. And then we sheltered about 125 people here. Everyone who came, no one was turned away. And uh, we weathered the storm together. And then as soon as the winds died, your staff and key volunteers mobilized, scores of them all over the Bay Area, assisting people who were affected by the storm. It's been a beautiful uh, week to watch the body of Christ in action respond to a crisis situation. And it got me thinking, because I had to preach this morning, about the storms of life and how they impact us in similar ways. And that's what I want to talk to you about for the next little while. The storms of life, and you know what they are. If you've lived long enough, you've experienced them. If not, it's coming. Marriages that we thought would last forever suddenly fail. Children into whom we've invested everything betray us. Friends betray. Careers that we thought were rock solid implode. Finances that we thought we had figured out go south. The diagnosis that we feared but never expected is handed down. And the winds blow, and the storm rages. I wish we lived in a world without storms. So do you. Every follower of Christ has asked themselves at one time or another, why are there storms? 
right? Why does bad stuff happen? Why do we face adversity? But God has set us here in this world where there will inevitably come storms. And I'm here to talk to you about how following Jesus will help you through the storm. I want to do so by reading a story together from the Gospel of Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter 14. If you like to have your own Bible open, you can go there. I'll project it on the screen in just a minute, so you, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. This is a story about the disciples, the 12 men who committed their lives to following Christ, and how they faced and endured a life-threatening storm. We're going to read it in pieces, so if you have your Bible open, just keep it open, and we'll come back to the story. I just want to right now introduce the setting, okay? It's the disciples of Christ on the aftermath of a huge win, okay? It's a mountaintop moment for these guys. So they've, they've staked it all on Jesus. They've, they've risked everything. They've given up their careers. They're, they've left their families. I mean, these guys are totally convinced on some level that Jesus is the Messiah. And so they've given their lives to following him, and they've just seen a huge win. They've, they, a, a, a crowd of thousands amassed, and they come and Jesus lays it down, and he preaches this sermon that reveals the glory and grace of God in a way that only he was capable of doing. Thousands of people are there, and then when it's over, a miracle occurs which allows them to feed that crowd, even though there was no food available. So they've, they've heard about God's glory through Jesus, and then they've seen the power through the miraculous feeding of the multitude. So man, they are stoked, right? They are jacked up. And Jesus, in the immediate aftermath, sends them on a second mission, and that's where we pick up the story. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after dismissing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. So Jesus is on a mountain. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. So the storm is coming. The storm is coming for these guys. And just as it is for us, and I want to say this to you, when the storm approaches, you need to prepare. (laughs) Right? We learned that this week. I learned that hurricane preparation fits basically into three categories. There are those who are great at hurricane preparation. Like, they've got shutters on the windows, or else they've already bought the plywood. It's pre-cut. It's in the garage. They've got a generator. They've got sandbags. They've got a freezer full of ice. They've got canned food in the the pantry. I mean, they were ready a year ago for Irma, right? Raise your hand if you're in that category. Some of y'all are in that category. You're ready. You've got the shutters, the generator. Raise your hands high. Be proud of yourselves, right? There's a few of you. I'd like to get your address for the next one. Because I am not in that category. Second category are those who are pretty good at at hurricane preparation. And those are the ones who on Monday or maybe Tuesday morning at the latest, they said, okay, I'm on this. And they went to Publix and they went to Home Depot and they got the plywood and they got the sandbags. They got the ice. They got the canned food. They hunkered down. They had a plan. They were ready early in the week. How many of you fit into that category? You got after it pretty good early on. Okay. And then there's me. So I'm the guy who, as I told you, didn't react until Thursday when we were in the crosshairs. And I said, my wife and I were at dinner, I said, let's go to Publix. So we went to Publix, and uh, 
Publix didn't have a whole lot left by Thursday night. I got to that aisle where all the canned food is, like the soup and the Chef Boyardee and the Vienna sausage and all that good stuff. And I was like, this is going to be awesome, man. I'm going to stock up on all that food I'm not allowed to eat, and this is going to be great. And, of course, I got to that aisle, and there were approximately 12 cans of food left on the entire aisle. And it was the nasty stuff, right, that people had actually picked up, looked at, and said, ain't no way I'm eating that. I'd just rather go hungry. And it was me and one other guy, seriously, just standing there. And I looked at him and said, are we supposed to be fighting over this stuff? I mean, is that how this works? I got to the checkout, and I said, because uh, I found a couple of things I could use, and I get to the checkout, and I said to the, the cashier, I said, I'd like a bag of ice as well. She went, <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. That's a good one. So I was completely unprepared. Anybody else? Is that just me? Am I the- Okay. I was unprepared. Listen, this is what I want to say to you. There is a storm coming to your life. It's out there right now. I don't know when, where, or how it will hit, but it's coming. And if you don't think so, it's because you're too young. But I'm telling you, the storm is coming. And I want you to listen very carefully to me when I tell you this, because I speak from personal experience. I know what it is like Just as I was unprepared for Hurricane Irma, I know what it's like for a storm, a Cat 5 storm, to hit my life and take everything away from me. And I'm telling you, you may think you're impervious, but the storm is coming. And I want you to prepare now. Be that guy who's got the hurricane windows and the generator and who's ready when the storm comes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you right now to find your people. Find your people. Because listen, when the storm hits, and it will, you're going to need your people gathered around you to help you through that storm. Now, many of you, you already know who your people are. You've got it in your head right now. You've got a strong marriage, good family, core group of friends. Your core relationships are strong. And that's good. I applaud you. I'm happy for you. But I do want to speak just very briefly to anyone in this room who doesn't have people. You're going through life alone right now. It's not your fault. It's just the way life has turned out. At this moment, you don't have your people around you. You're alone. Maybe you just moved here. Maybe some turmoil in your family, whatever. This is what I want to say to you. Find your people here. Let us be your people. Calvary is a people, and it's for you. Please connect. The way our ministry works is we've got, you know, we have multiple services, three campuses, thousands of people around all over the Bay Area, and we organize them into what we call community groups where individuals can be connected to one another. They just meet, again, it's all over the county, all throughout the week, people who meet together, they pray for each other, they study God's word, and they carefully consider how they can live out their lives as followers of Christ in this world. You need to find your people. And I'm going to tell you something. This may, I guess I was going to say I don't mean to brag, but I'm going to brag a little bit, okay? This has been a great week for Calvary. You should be proud of your association with Calvary Church because so many people have mobilized to help others. i just tell you one story. 
uh, I could tell dozens. I could tell stories for the next 30 minutes, and it might be 30 minutes well spent, but I'm just going to tell one. My neighbor across the street, big oak tree came down in his backyard, got all tangled up in the power lines, big mess, right? And we were touching base after the storm. Are you okay? I'm okay, whatever. He said, you know, I got this tree problem. Do you know anybody? And I said, yeah, I do. I know a lot of people. And I went over to see uh, Wallace DaCosta, our, one of our pastors who you just pray, he prayed earlier. And, uh, and he, was, he, he had no power. He's outside drenched in sweat trying to fix his own fence. I said, Wallace, is there any way you could just check in with my neighbor? Now, I did this. I, you know, what you're thinking is, why didn't, why didn't I do that myself? And it's because if I wield a chainsaw, someone's getting hurt. <laughs> Probably me, but it might be somebody else. So Wallace, on the other hand, he's the chainsaw whisperer. I said, Wallace, would you please? So he graciously, despite his own discomfort, went over there, talked to the neighbor. He and Stephanie uh, Shermetta, another member of our staff, put together a team of volunteers who went over to his house, cut up that gigantic tree, and hauled it all out to the road. That's one story I could tell dozens more. Over and over again, the body of Christ, has, we have come together because we believe that God loves us and compels us to love others. We've made that sacrifice. You heard Pastor Willie say, we're taking a team today down to Naples, and we're taking another team next weekend down to Naples. If you want to go, go. There you go. You want to find your people? Go. Be a part of that. Visit our website. By the way, the website that Willie referred to, calvary.us backslash Irma, that may seem to you like an impersonal way for us to connect with you if you're in need, but it really is the most efficient way, okay? So please use that. We want to help you. If you need help, we want to help you. Just use that portal, and that will give us the, the res- we can deploy our resources to make sure you get the help that you need. But uh, we're also part of, as Willie mentioned, the Southern Baptist Convention, the third largest disaster relief organization in the United States behind the Red Cross and Salvation Army. Number four on that list is Samaritan's Purse. You know what all four of them have in common? Every one of them was founded by the followers of Jesus Christ who were compelled by the love that God has demonstrated to us to show their love to all mankind in the midst of suffering and crisis. That's the thing that brings us together. And if you can get behind that, man, you're part of the club. Okay? And so what you may be thinking is, well, I'm not really a Calvary kind of person. I'm a sinner. Yeah? Join the club. Every single one of us in this building is struggling with the same stuff you are. We've made the same mistakes you have. We have the same regrets that you do. But we are united in our belief that God loves us and the world and that Jesus is the proof. Find your people here. Okay? Now listen, once you find your people, I have two pieces of advice for you. Number one, try to love your people better than they love you. Every day. Just make that your goal every day. You're going to wake up. These are my people. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to love each one of them today. I'm going to demonstrate my love for my people today. And I'm going to do so extravagantly so that they know that I love them. I'm going to love them better than they love me. And when you do that, you are making an investment against the day that that storm hits your life. Because when it does, you're going to need them. Do you understand me? God did not design you to go through this world alone. I said at the beginning, everyone who follows Jesus asks themselves the question, why, is there, why are there storms in life? Why is there suffering? Why do bad things happen? Well, what the Bible teaches us is that 
this world is not our home. This world is a place that we pass through, and God uses this world to prepare us for our eternal home in his presence. And one of the ways that he prepares us in this world is he teaches us our need for one another, that we have to be connected. So love those people, and they will be there for you when the storm hits. So as you're preparing for the storms of life, love your people well. And then my second piece of advice is this. Try to love everyone. The way you love your people. Now, this right here is the essence of what it means to follow Christ. If you're here in this room right now and you are not a follower of Christ, I'm glad that you're here. If you're here in this room and you're not sure whether you are a follower of Christ, I'm glad that you're here. And if you're a little bit curious, which you must be or you wouldn't be here, about what it means to follow Christ, if I can sum it up in one sentence, it would be the one that was last on the screen. Try to love everyone the way that you love your people. Jesus taught us that we are to love those who are different than us. Even Jesus' command on this issue is so outlandish that he even says we are to love our enemies. You're supposed to love, I want you to think about your enemies right now. Don't sit there and act spiritual. I know there are people that you don't like, right? That's who I want you to think about. I want you to think about the person you loathe the most. Jesus says love them. Love them just just the same way you love your own people. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, is how he said it. That's the essence of what it means to follow Christ. And when you do that, listen, this is the gospel. Love. That God loved us and sent his son to die for us so that we might know of his love and share it with the world. That's the gospel. And it has stood the test of millennia because it works. It just works. And when you love people and invest in people, when the storms of life come, and did I mention this? They're coming. You'll be ready. The second thing I would say to you about storm preparation is find your purpose. Find your purpose. The disciples, they had each other. They were together in that boat, but they were also on mission. They had just come from doing the work of of Christ, and they were going to do it again in another place. They were on mission. They knew their purpose, and that sense of your own purpose will sustain you when the storm takes everything else because it can't touch your purpose purpose. I want you to understand something this morning. You have a specific and unique purpose that is yours. You may not know what it is, and that's okay. You may never be able to articulate with perfect clarity exactly what your mission is, but God has a mission for you, and your purpose is not necessarily to understand it. It's just to live it. Live with that sense of purpose. Many of you know what your purpose is. You wake up every day, and you know. You know exactly why you're here, why you're alive, but if you don't, If you're at a period of life, again, not necessarily through any fault of your own, you're just adrift a bit. I would offer you a solution. And it's right here. Once again, let Calvary. I mean, if you need a purpose, if you need a reason to get out of bed, we've got tons of them. There is something unique and specific that you can do to help others experience God's love and grace. I guarantee you, and it doesn't, again, you might think, well, my my sin disqualifies me. No, it doesn't. In some ways, your sin is a prerequisite for your purpose. You're a sinner. I got news for you. So is everybody else. 
And God uses us in spite of the fact, maybe even because of the fact that we have sinned, so that he receives the glory. So do not let your sin or your struggle keep you from God's purpose. Don't let anything in your past keep you from God's purpose. Don't let the fact that you feel you don't have the right set of talents keep you from God's purpose. God has a purpose for you. And if you understand your purpose and you know your people, when the wind starts to blow, you're going to be okay. Because you figured it out while the sun was shining. After the lights go out, guys, that's not the time to figure this stuff out. It's not. That's, those are the storms that will break you. If you don't know your people and you don't know your purpose, when the storms of life come, they can destroy you. But not if you know your people and you know your purpose. If you're grounded in that, you will, no matter what happens to you, you will withstand the storm. The next thing I want to say, so that's about preparation. People and purpose. Be ready. But the next thing I want to say to you is this. When the storm arrives, take shelter. Right? When the storm comes, it's, it's no longer, it's not time to go out and, and make preparations. you just got to hunker down and survive. So I want to speak, and, and I, did anybody, this is dumb, I shouldn't even ask this. I went outside at 1.30 a.m. on Monday. Did anybody else, I know that's dumb. Thank you for, I appreciate you. Just, you probably didn't even do it. You're like, I feel so sorry for that guy. Um, but I did. I, I wanted to feel the strength of the wind. And um, it was impressive. It was impressive. You can't be out in that. Let me pick up the story. So they're out on the boat. The, the, the storm is coming, okay? They're together. They have a purpose. But now, as the storm rages, now watch this. It's funny to me how casually Matthew, the author, says this. But he was there. He saw it. And he says, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. Like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, there he was. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. It was very early in the morning. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were, guess what? Terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage, he said. Have courage. It's me. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, I want you to focus on Peter. He's the, the, the key character I want you to empathize with in this story. Peter answered by saying, Okay, Lord, if it's you, then command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Come on, big boy. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, you saw the strength of the wind, so did I. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And we'll come back and see what happens. You could probably guess, but we'll come back and see what happens in just a minute. The strength of the wind. So listen, I want to speak specifically to those of you who are in the eye of the storm right now. Okay, that's not probably not that many of you. 
But there are a few of you in this room who are experiencing the full strength of a storm in your life today, right now. The thing you feared most has come to pass. You don't know what to do or where to turn. And this is what I want to say to you. Jesus is your shelter in the storm. He is. And if that sounds corny to you, I apologize. I tried to think of a cooler way to say it. But I, as I went back, this is, this, is all I can, this is all I can come up with. Jesus Christ is your shelter. This is what we believe. If you've never heard this story, let me just fill you in briefly. This community of people, this body of Christ, we are gathered here. We don't all know each other, and we come from very diverse backgrounds. Some of us are, are wealthy. Some of us are poor. Some of us are, you know, titans of industry. Some of us are just trying to scrap by. Some of us are young. Some of us are old. All different kinds of people. But we are united in our belief that we were created by God, that he loves us, that he designed us, that we have a purpose, that we're not accidents. God created us, and he knows our names. And even more so, he sent Jesus Christ to this earth for the purpose of demonstrating his love for us. And if that sounds crazy to you, keep listening. Because we believe Jesus, who gave his life for us, rose from the dead to guarantee the hope of eternal life in his presence. That's our faith. And that faith will shelter you. Even on the most difficult day of your life, you can turn to that faith and find strength in it. So this is what I'm going to say to you. If if you're in the eye of the storm, invest in your faith. That's my advice to you. Invest in your faith. And here's what I mean by that. One of the things I love about being a part of the body of Christ and being a part of Calvary is the breadth and diversity of it, right? Because faith is not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing. It changes. We've got in this fellowship, we've got some sold-out Jesus freaks in this room right now right? I mean, they're on fire, filled with the Holy Ghost, gospel-proclaiming, won't-back-down, fire-breathing, fanatic Jesus freaks. Yeah, there's my Jesus freak right there. And I love them so much. They get on people's nerves sometimes because they will not shut up about how much they love Jesus and how Jesus has delivered them. And it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I love them so much. But you know what? Can we just be honest? There's people in this room right now, for whom your faith maybe is growing a little stale. You're having trouble connecting to the level of passion you may once have known as a follower of Jesus. And there are people sitting right now in this room who have some doubts. You have some doubts. You're a little skeptical about some of the things that I'm saying. And can I tell you this? I'm thankful for all of it. We're all in this together, man. And God is not afraid of you being honest about where you stand with him. He's your father. He loves you. His love for you is unaffected by anything you do. So just turn to him in faith and invest in that faith. Wherever it is right now, invest in it every day. Do something to make your spirit stronger every day. You've got a, you have a book in your possession. I want you to think about this for a second. You have a book in your possession which was divinely inspired by the 
creator of the whole universe. What on earth would prevent you from reading it once in a while? I'm dead serious about this, y'all. Read it. You don't have to be a scholar. Pastor Willie, he's a scholar, man. He's got, if you're ever in his study, he's got all these books and he's got these computer programs and he can do Greek and Hebrew. He's spent his whole life studying the Bible. I mean, literally, I've known him his whole life and he's been studying the Bible his whole life. And uh, he's a scholar. I'm not. I, I don't have the brain power for that or whatever, but I just read a little bit of the Bible every day because the Spirit of God that lives in me connects with the Word of God, inspired by that same Spirit, and it, it, it gives me strength, courage, and wisdom as I go throughout the day. And pray. Pray. And again, it doesn't have to be some long... I don't know that I've ever prayed more than five minutes at a time in my whole life. That's the truth. If that makes me a bad person, I'm sorry. But my, again, my brain just can't focus that long. But what I do is pray throughout the day. And basically, their prayers kind of like the one Peter said, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, save me. I need you. I need your help. I pray if I'm stressed out or, or angry about something. If I get mad at my kids. Whew, you ever get mad at your kids or is that just me? Yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I'm telling you, sometimes I could eat a ten-penny nail and spit out a barbed wire fence for those kids. But oh, I love them so much. And so I pray for them every day. God, be with them. God, help them. God, teach them. God, make them strong. Just talk to the Lord. Invest in your faith, wherever it is. It's okay. But invest in it. Make it stronger. Make it grow because you're going to need it. You're going to need it when that storm hits, brother. Invest in it. Worship with your church family, even if you don't feel like it. Sunday rolls around, you're not feeling it, come anyway, okay? Worship with us. Join your spirit with our spirit as we worship the one who gave us everything. Do that because when the storm hits you, and have I mentioned this yet? It's going to. I need you to hear that. If you don't hear anything else I say, I need you to understand The storm's coming. Listen, five years ago, I would have ignored this sermon because I believed that I was invulnerable. But I now know differently. That storm is coming and it's going to hurt. Do you understand me? And when it does, I want you to know where to take shelter. And you can take shelter in Jesus. Listen, let me read the next verse of the story. I told you you probably could guess how it ends. Jesus rescues Peter, right? We wouldn't expect him to go, hmm, how you doing down there, Pete? No, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught hold of him. But listen to this. He catches hold of him and he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now listen, if I'm Peter, I think I'm going, wait a minute. What are you talking about little faith? I'm the guy who just climbed over the gunwale and got into the, walking on the surface of the Sea of Galilee. What are you talking about? Faith. But Jesus understood when that wind is blowing, when that storm hits, there's going to be a moment where you wonder, is this real? And it is at precisely that moment when you must take shelter in your faith in Jesus Christ. Last thing I want to say to you, I close with this. When the storm has hit, 
rebuild. When the storm has hit, and I want to speak for just a few minutes to those of you in this room, and there are a few, I have no doubt of it, who are sitting in the tattered, smoldering ruins of a life despoiled. The life that you believe you had figured out, but out of nowhere came a storm and tore it all down. And this is what I want to say to you. Rebuild in Jesus. I'm going to tell you my story, my storm. Three years ago, in the summer of 2014, at the age of 47, after a lifetime of essentially perfect health, I very suddenly lost the ability to breathe. Over a period of about 48 hours, my lungs stopped working altogether. And uh, this resulted in me being on a ventilator, ultimately in a coma, for more than a month until the doctors figured out what was wrong and fixed it. But I remember when that storm hit, I remember a moment. I, I, was, in the, I was in the ICU and uh, I woke up from a drug-induced sleep. And uh, I, I tried to lift my arms, and I couldn't because they were strapped to the hospital gurney. And then I tried to speak, and I couldn't speak because I was on a ventilator. And then I looked over, and I saw Pastor Willie, which is never a good sign, y'all. <laughs> never a good sign. And let me tell you what I surmised at that moment. I remember this moment with great clarity. It's the last thing I remember uh, before I went into a coma for more than a month. Okay, I'm strapped to the gurney. I'm on a ventilator. My brother is here. I'm dying. That's what I thought. I, it was a perfectly reasonable conclusion. Uh, I, w I, I just thought, okay, this is it for me. This is how I die. And I only had one, one question that I needed answered before I could die in peace. And I, I did this signal to my brother. He gave me a piece of paper and pencil. I still have this piece of paper. I wrote on it, is Casey alive? That's my wife's name. And here was my thought. I want to make sure somebody's going to take care of my children. And she was sleeping. My brother woke her up and she came over and got in my field of view. And when I saw her face and I saw that she was okay, this, I closed my eyes and gave myself over, I believed, to my own death. And my only thought was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you something. No matter what you have done, listen, your life may be in ruins and it may be your fault. Right? Sometimes it happens like that. Maybe not. What I want you to know either way, it doesn't matter. There's hope. There is hope. And you can rebuild. When I woke up from that month-long coma, I couldn't speak, I couldn't write, I couldn't walk. I couldn't even really think clearly. I had lost about 40 IQ points that I do not have to spare. Um, I was in bad shape, and I was scared. But what I knew, and what my wife every single day reminded me of, 
as we struggled through that was that we could rebuild and we knew this because our hope was vested in only one thing the promise of God's love through Jesus Christ if you know that God loves you because Jesus has proven it then there is no storm the storm that hits you may take everything from you it may take every cent you have it may wreck relationships that you are right now depending on it may ruin your career you could lose all of that stuff but if your hope is not in any of that stuff but in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ brother that anchor holds in the eye of the storm do not give up hope Jesus is your hope would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me I'd like to pray for you and I want you to know that if you're if you're sitting here today and you need to rebuild or the wind is howling in your life and the storm rages above you. Put your faith in Jesus today. Drive a stake in the ground and say, you know what? I'm going to accept that God loves me and that Jesus is the proof that he died for my salvation and freedom and rose again to guarantee the hope of eternal life. If you'll do that today, I promise you, that anchor holds. After I pray for you, we're going to sing a song, and as we're singing that song, there will be pastors down here near the foot of the stage. If you'll just make your way down here, they'll find you. Father, I pray for this group of people, people gathered in this room right now. Lord, I don't know what they've gone through over the last couple of weeks. I don't know what's happening in their life at this very moment. But I'm asking you, Father, they they came here for you. They came here because they had heard a rumor of you. And here they are. God, I pray that you would penetrate through whatever darkness clouds their life, their heart, and their mind at this moment. Whatever might prevent them from knowing how deep is your love for them. Lord, would you cut through it? touch their heart and let them know. I pray it in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging
Amen, church. That's the truth today. Hey, would you go? Have a blessed Sunday. We look forward to seeing you all next weekend.